The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody, to the show. I'm really glad that you could join me today, especially in this crazy time. I mean, it's been going on two months. It seems like six months. I don't even know what day it is anymore of this stay-at-home order for people here in California. You know, so the new normal is, of course, walking around with face masks on, no visiting friends, no restaurants, movies, concerts, museums, all things that we're so used to doing. I mean, frankly, I'm starting to snap a little bit. I'll be honest with you, you know, and I'm I'm feeling really scared about the future. You know, will I be able to see my family at the holidays? I mean, I have a lot of questions. You know, what happens if I get sick right now? I don't have really great health care. I mean, there's a lot of fear and I'm sure that you're feeling it too. So I'm really happy to have my guest today because she's going to be a voice of reason and it's going to be so nice to have a chance to chat with her. So if you're a longtime unityonlineradio.org listener, you know, for the past nine years, Reverend Jennifer Hadley has been broadcasting her show on Unity Online Radio, and it has built up a very dedicated audience. And her show is consistently one of the most downloaded shows on the network. And each week, Jennifer shares her wisdom on the spiritual text, A Course in Miracles, as well as advice on how we can all work towards making the world a better place. And Jennifer is a licensed science of mind practitioner and a minister since 2006, And she believes her life is her message and ministry, and it's a ministry of love. And she's someone that I really admire and respect. So I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Now, if you'd like to check out her website and see all the resources she has there, it's jenniferhadley.com, also including her blog, Spiritual Espresso, which is what I'm calling this show today because I really need a shot of some spiritual espresso today. Seriously. So Jennifer, I'm so happy that you could join me for the show today and we could have some time to chat and just explore some ideas. Me too. I'm so glad that you invited me. It's the perfect time for us to, uh, in a sense, kick back spiritually and really explore what's happening now in in super positive ways because it's it's so helpful for people to be able to have things that they can hold on to and ride this wave right now. And that's, I know what we're going to bring forth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that little poster, that motivational poster with the kitten like kind of <laughs> yes. hanging on with his claws. <laughs> hanging there, know? baby. Just hanging in there, baby. Um, I mean, how are you handling this new normal that's been brought on by this COVID thing? Yeah, I appreciate you asking me. It is, 
I, I think I have a very different perspective on it than a lot of people because I feel that spiritual students, this is the time that we've been training for. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a teacher and student of A Course in Miracles, and A Course in Miracles has a prayer in it that I call the purpose prayer. And it says, I am here only to be truly helpful and to represent the one who sent me. And I will be led and guided by the one who sent me as to where to go, what to do, what to say, how to be helpful. And so I don't have to ever worry or be in fear. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing it there. And, and that's how I live and operate. And so many of us spiritual students, we have been preparing for a time like this. You know, terrorists, they have sleeper cells, you know, that are in hiding, waiting for their moment to attack and pounce. And I feel like a lot of spiritual students, that's what we've been doing. We've been preparing to be anchored in love, to deepen our spiritual practice. And so many spiritual students have been saying for forever, oh, if I only had more time, I'd deepen my spiritual practice. Well, some of us have more time, and it is the perfect time to help stabilize the rest of humanity for us to go deeper, be more still, turn off the news, and tune into spirit. You know, I love that analogy of the sleeper cell. So instead of sleeper cells gathering together to plot, you know, evil deeds, I mean, we could really be gathering together or, you know, virtually mm -hmm. or going within to create you know, love cells or, or peace cells uh, or, you know, or something like that. And you bring up such a great point of, you know, normally in, in our lives, you know, we're, we're always so busy, we're rushing around doing this, that, and the other, you know, and our spiritual practice and, even, and thinking about any of those things kind of takes a back seat most of the time. Mm -hmm. And now we're being challenged to, okay, you know, let's, let's explore some of these ideas so, I mean, and you sound so calm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, so it's working, you know, you sound so calm and peaceful. So you really are, you know, using the, the teachings and your faith that you teach all of your students. So I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, since your, your unity show is a course of miracles. So I want to talk a little bit about the course. So I went to my bookshelf in preparation for talking to you today. So here, I don't know if you can hear it hit the desk. You know, here, here's the blue book, uh, A Course in Miracles that I've had for quite some time on the shelf. You know, and I, I try to pick it up and and, and work with it sometimes. Um, and there's some really, you know, incredible teachings in here and so mm -hmm. many great teachers like yourself and people that I've been influenced by over the years, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Alan Cohen, mm -hmm. um, Robert Holden. I mean, the, the list goes on of people that really use the lessons in this book to just kind of sail through life a, a little bit easier. So I was curious, you know, what was your first experience with A Course in Miracles and what brought you to the teachings? Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Nobody asked me that. That's a great question. So uh, I, back in 2006, I was finishing my ministerial studies at Agape in LA. And I said, ah, actually it was 2005. I said, 2006, I'm going to start doing the workbook. I'm going to start studying A Course in Miracles because I, I didn't have time to do it before. I was 
for years in practitioner studies and ministerial. And then, uh, so I started doing that in 2006. And in that year, I became friends with a fellow who said to me, you've got to read this book, Disappearance of the Universe. And he kept saying it to me. And I finally got it. Okay, I'm going to read Disappearance of the Universe, which I know you know well, you know, Gary Renard. And uh, he's been a guest on my show many times. He's been the guest I've had the most, probably. And uh, he was the first episode of my show back in 2011. And so Disappearance of the Universe is a very well-known book, particularly for Course in Miracles students. And when I started reading that book, I remember it very well. It was just a few days before Christmas. I was visiting my brother in New Jersey, as I am doing right now. And uh, I was reading it before the sun came up uh, and doing my practice. And uh, I was about 20, 30 pages in, and I'm sitting in my bathrobe in the dark uh, on a whatever, you know, a few days before Christmas. And I I just got up and started dancing around the room. I was so happy that I found this wonderful teaching of A Course in Miracles and Gary's particular offering uh, about it. So that really ignited me even more. And then in 2007, I started my own Course in Miracles study group online, and people can find those recordings, some of them. It's called Masterful Living Through A Course in Miracles. And I have been on fire about A Course in Miracles ever since. Wow. So really, you came to the Course through Gary's work, through his book, and he's been a longtime teacher of A Course in Miracles. And, and he was he was just like a, a regular guy, you yeah. know, and, and had this uh, amazing experience that brought these teachings to him. So what what you do is you, I mean, there's the book, but it's really the workbook, right? Like when you when you start working through it and reading these lessons every day, that's when real change takes place, doesn't it? Well, I, I'll say that it's when you start applying what's in the lessons, because gathering information, reading A Course in Miracles, doesn't change your life. But when you take the teachings and you start living those teachings, that's when your life radically begins to change for the good. And it it is actually breathtaking how much and how quickly your life can change. You really can eliminate fear and worry and doubt. And uh, in the course of I think some people know, but not everybody, that it is a, a channeled work. It is the voice of Jesus coming through a woman named Helen Shookman, who was uh, a member of the psychology department at Columbia University at the time. And uh, she was a New York Jew psychologist, no candidate for the teachings of Jesus in any way, shape, or form. But he started speaking to her, and she felt it was something very important. So she started writing it down in shorthand, and that was the beginning of the course. And uh, so in the teachings that Jesus is giving us through A Course in Miracles, he says that those who are extending love, and I, I say it this way, those who serve love, those who serve the light are invulnerable. That's what he tells us. We're invulnerable. And so that is literally how I feel. I feel invulnerable to to the world because 
as it says in the course, everything works together for good and there are no exceptions except in the opinion of the ego. So living the teachings means not making any exceptions. So not labeling anything bad, nothing. And that that's not easy to do. You have to really be willing to do it. Right. It can be challenging. And I know for some people, and I'm glad you brought up the origin of A Course in Miracles, because I'm sure not everybody is aware. But I think for some people that may have had or may have problems with it, like, isn't there kind of a, not really a problem or people that would, that would discount, like if you read about A Course in Miracles, and then there's people that have certain opinions about the origin of it. Like it's been called everything from like a distortion of Christian theology. Some people have called it a spiritual menace, anti-biblical, you know, those kinds of criticisms, criticisms, because people are taking, I guess, or looking too much at the, the fact that, that Helen was bringing these messages forth from what she experienced to be as Jesus. I guess what I'm saying is can, if people are skeptical of that and go, Oh, I don't believe channeled stuff or, or whatever. I mean, it isn't, the lessons that are that are being presented still valuable, even if you if you wanted to take that piece out of it. Yeah, well, and and people said that to Jesus's face when he walked the earth, you know. So people always there are always people that will reject a teacher or a teaching, and they'll have all kinds of reasons for it. So to me, I don't care if it's channeled or not. I don't care. I what I know is I felt inner guided to the teachings. And when I started to read it, I began to feel, and not everybody feels this way, but I began to feel, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And there, and once I really started to get into it, there were so many times, Diane, when I lived in Los Angeles, it would be four, five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'd be sitting on my sofa reading it in my bathrobe. And I would just start weeping because I was so grateful that the book was in my hand and that I had a connection to the truth that I knew was completely and totally pristine. And that was so valuable to me to have a pure, pristine teaching upon which I could depend every word, every page. There was no ego, no personality, just pure truth. And that's what I had really desired to find. And I was so, so, and it still am so grateful that I found it. Right. I mean, the, the messages as a, I've been reading through it and, you know, over the years picking it up. And I mean, I really, I really need to do like the workbook, you know, and just do the study seriously to, to really, cause I see how it affects people's lives yeah. and the value that they're getting from these teachings. So I guess like the point of the question is if people are curious, like don't get hung up on that part of the story mm-hmm. to real, to really benefit from the lessons that are, that are presented. Cause mm-hmm. I maybe people that could really benefit would discount that, at first glance, like, oh, I don't want to, you know, deal with any of that stuff. But the message, I think, is is so valuable. And right in the very beginning, you know, it says the message or the aim of the course is to remove the blocks 
to the awareness of love, love's presence, mm-hmm. you know, that there is no separation between us and God. And, and it's so true, like what you were saying about, you know, how Jesus was persecuted for his message, you know, back thousands of years ago. And then if you look to like Tudor times, you know, people were burned at the stake if they mm-hmm. said that they had a personal relationship with God, you know, it was unheard of. But isn't, but isn't that really just such a beautiful lesson that we're not separate from God? And, and even some teachers like Dr. Wayne Dyer would always say, we're, our, we're part of source, we're pieces of God. And he got a lot of criticism for that too, I remember. Yeah, well, you know, people who are very attached to the idea that we're separate from God and that we are sinners and that uh, we can't have a direct connection with God, they're, the people who really are attached to those concepts, and that's all they are is concepts, uh, they've built their their mental structure and their part of their identity around that, their their belief that they are not part of God, that they are a sinner, and they have to uh sublimate their sinner ways and things like that. It, it's just, you know, we just know that that will eventually evaporate into light that the the light is in them as much as it is in everybody everybody can we can dance and play with whatever ideas we want to that's what this world is for it's for experimentation it's for believing all kinds of things and playing it out and seeing what it feels like and what that experience is. And ultimately we'll all become tired of that and just be interested in living in the light, being in the light and loving each other and ourselves purely without any other false idea interrupting it. So we're all going to get to the same place. We're all part of God. That's what Jesus tells us in the course. We're all part of God. God could not be God without each and every one of us. And that every, it's like everything that happens in this world stays in this world, just like Las Vegas. And so it's, we, none of us can, damage the perfect light that we are through whatever crazy thing we do in this world. But there's no happiness. There's no real joy, like pure joy. It will not come to us until we decide to really be in service to the light, which means being in service to our brothers and sisters and and not complaining or criticizing because they're complaining and criticizing. And I know it's a daily reminder or practice that we need to tell ourselves to get to that place, but it, it seems like now we're more divided than ever and different forces are kind of stoking the, that, that energy, you know, to divide us. And so how do, how do you suggest people work on letting go of, you know, some of those judgments and beliefs that we have about about people, about others. Yeah, that's the main thing I work on in my ministry is eliminating the blocks to love, eliminating the blocks to joy and happiness and helping people to really profoundly improve their relationships and feel good about themselves. And so it all depends upon our willingness to eliminate the judgments. And all judgments are false, 
just like all beliefs are false. Truth is truth. And beliefs are not truth. They're some, if they, if they were, we would call them truth. So there's that important, uh, distinguishment that, uh, we, we believe our beliefs, but we know the truth. And what we're interested in doing is relinquishing all the beliefs that block our knowing of the truth, because knowing the truth sets us free. So uh, in, in A Course of Miracles, one of the things I tell people if they're interested in studying A Course of Miracles, I, I encourage them to read Gary Renard's book, Disappearance of the Universe. I encourage them to start with the manual for teachers or the glossary in the in the back, because it's just, it's much more simple and clear. Whereas the text, which I spend a lot of time on in, in my personal uh, work with the course, the text is a lot of it's an iambic pentameter and it can seem very uh, convoluted. It, it, Jesus is really asking you to pay attention to every word and to think it through carefully. And so, um, there are some lessons and some principles in the course that people can really just work with without reading the book at all. And one of them is love holds no grievances. Love holds no grievances. So it has no judgments. It has no grudges. It has no complaints. And what Jesus says is those who forgive will remember who they really are. And those who don't forgive will not know their true identity. So when we give up our grievances, that's what forgiveness really is. It's when we say, okay, I'm not going to, that happened. I didn't like it, but I'm not going to judge anybody for it anymore. I'm just going to say it happened and I don't need to have opinions about it anymore. Wow. I mean, I'm so glad you brought up forgiveness because that's such a, a sticky thing for a lot of people. And and you're not saying to discount or minimize something that may have happened, but are you saying just, you know, you can't continue to use that as a crutch or a reason to blame you know, as you're moving forward in life, I mean, cause you could say, well, some things are unforgivable, right? You know, murder and child abuse and, you know, things like that. I mean, those are, those are tough topics, right? They are very tough topics. And I, uh, I, I work with people who were repeatedly raped and molested as children, uh, often by their family members and, um, some really, really intense things. And, so, and I teach forgiveness. That is the main thing that I teach. That is the main message of the course that forgiveness is liberation. But it, in a sense, it's not your, your mother's forgiveness or your grandmother's forgiveness. It's not the forgiveness that we were taught in churches and things like that. That's really not what the forgiveness is in the course. So true forgiveness is really saying the meaning that I made of this. I'm going to relinquish my attachment, my belief in my interpretation of it. So for instance, to use an extreme example of someone who's been raped by their father repeatedly as a child, and now they're 60 years old and it's still 
it gnaws at them every day. It, it, it influences how they live their life uh, because that's a very common thing that pe- people are, it's been many decades and it still gnaws at them. It's because they have all kinds of judgments and opinions about themselves in relationship to it and about the perpetrator and about, let's say, the the mother who didn't do anything but knew, you know, or, or the auntie or all the different people involved. There's all kinds of judgments and opinions. And as soon as the the person can say, okay, lesson 25, I don't know what anything is for. I don't know what that experience was for, but somehow, some way, Jesus tells me in the course, everything works together for my good and there are no exceptions. Now, he's not saying most things work together for your good or some things work together for your good. He says everything works together for your good and there are no exceptions. So my job, if I'm interested in liberating my mind from being miserable, my job is to stop making exceptions. So lesson 25 is I do not know what anything is for. So I I used to use that all the time, every day. Something would happen, I'd become annoyed, irritated, angry, frustrated, whatever it was. And then I'd go to, oh, wait a minute. I think I know what this is for, but I don't know what it's for. So I'm going to step back from my opinions and judgments about this and say, okay, I am willing to say, I don't know what this is for. So if I don't know what it's for, maybe I don't have to be irritated by it or frustrated by it. I can just say, this is what is occurring. I don't like it. I wish it were different, but I'm going to wait and see what's what here. I'm going to wait till it's revealed to me how this is working together for my good. And until then, I'm just going to step back from having an opinion about it. Wow. That is such an interesting concept because I think a lot of people don't want to give up that control of saying, okay, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and to kind of circle back to what, where we're dealing with right now, you know, we don't know, we know there's not going to be a new normal, and things aren't just going to, okay, we're going to go back to the way we were and, you know, everything will be like it was three or four months ago. I don't think that can ever be. But to get us through this situation, I think it's so much easier to have that that point of view that we we don't know what's going to happen. And maybe that the goodness of, of all of this will be revealed later, I guess. I mean... Mm-hmm. I think it's it'll help us get through this a lot easier if we if we think of it that way than trying to always guess what's going to happen when when is this going to be lifted when will it be over will I get sick I mean that's driving people crazy right now so I I, I really love that I love that that whole concept and also the way you describe forgiveness I think it it makes it easier you know for people to wrap their head around. Because <laughs> a lot of this is stuff that's hard to wrap our heads around. I'm talking with Reverend Jennifer Hadley, uh, one of our fabulous hosts here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And I hope you check out her show, A Course in Miracles, in our archives and also join her on Tuesdays. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more of our conversation with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Stay close. We'll be right back. Experience the difference. 
Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back after the break. I'm talking with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. And I just wanted to pick up with what you were describing in the last segment, because I think that's so important for people to get. And we were talking about judgments and grievances and letting that go. I mean, I, I wish I had several family members just that I've been dealing with over the past week mm. to listen to this, because I it, it's it's so important. And, and you were describing just your own... Um, you know, kind of process or, you know, how, how you do it yourself. I mean, because we're all human, we all have those feelings trying to let go of judgments and grievances. I mean, can you share a little bit more about how you, how you work through that? Yeah. I, 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 as I was saying before the break, I, I, I made this decision. I'm just going to commit myself to being loving all the time. And once I made that commitment, that's when I discovered that I was hardly ever loving, <laughs> that I was so judgmental, and uh, that most of my thoughts were complaints and attacks and grievances. And so it was startling, and it was also, in a sense, demoralizing. Uh, I felt uh, humiliated. I mean, nobody else knew but me, but I just felt like, oh my God, girl, why can you not just be loving for six? 60 seconds at a time. And uh, so it actually just put a fire under my butt. And I made this commitment to really focus on being loving in my thoughts and in, in all my words. And, and when people come into my year-long class, they'll say in the beginning, oh, I don't really know what she's talking about. I'm not very judgmental. I'm probably the least judgmental person I know. But then three months into the year, they'll, they'll be like, oh my God, I've discovered how judgmental I am. And when people begin to be willing to really let all the judgments go, what happens is they start to realize that every time they go into a judgment, a complaint, a grievance, they start to feel a lack of peace. So they start to feel either irritated or sad or frustrated or hurt or angry or annoyed or depressed, something that they don't enjoy feeling. And that feeling, that emotion that's not pleasant, that disturbance of peace, I call the divine alarm clock. And we're used to when that alarm clock goes off and we feel our peace disturbed, we're used to making excuses for it. We're used to accommodating it. We're used to self-medicating it. We're used to pushing it down, distracting it, uh, focusing on something else, but not actually healing it. So that's why my focus in in our classes is let's actually heal these things. Think of them like splinters in your mind, splinters in your heart that can be removed so that you don't ever experience them again. But you have to be willing to work with your higher self, or you can call it the Holy Spirit or Jesus or whatever you like to call it. But you have to be really willing to work with spirit and hand over those grievances and let them go. You have to decide, 
it's no longer important to me to think that that person is a jerk. It's no longer important to me to think that that person is ruining their life. It's no longer important to me to think that person should live their life differently. I'm going to stop energizing that thought anymore and just say, you know, I really don't know what anything is for, uh, except it's for my learning. It's for my good. And I'm willing to receive my good now. Wow. That, oh my gosh, that just, that makes so much sense. Cause I'm, because I'm thinking just in my own day-to-day world, I mean, really, if I, if I kept a log of from the minute I woke up in the morning to how many judgments that I had about anything, I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to even try that exercise because I think I do that. You know, you wake up, oh, it's cloudy out. This day is going to suck. You know, well, there's a judgment. My, my husband's irritating me. There's a judgment. And we don't we just unconsciously do that? And and even bringing awareness to letting go of, okay, I'm not going to get annoyed with him because he's breathing my air. I'm going to let go of that. Or my brother's doing something stupid. I'm going to let go of that. I mean, that that's just so valuable, I think, for p- just people to start there. I mean, I think if I, if I start tomorrow and be aware of every judgment, I'm going to really be embarrassed for myself. <laughs> Well, that's why I said it was so demoralizing and humiliating for me because I really, I recognized if I do the math, I've got about 10,000 negative thoughts a day and I'm not kidding. It's the real, these are the real numbers. I crunched the numbers. I did. And uh, because if you have a negative thought every five seconds or so for about 16 hours a day, you're definitely at least at 10,000 negative thoughts. And that was me. So what I realized was if I can hand these over to spirit and let them go, really let them go. If I'm willing, they can be removed from my awareness. This is the teaching of A Course in Miracles, that that spirit cannot take from us anything that we value because we have free will. But if we say, spirit, I don't need this thought about my husband anymore. I don't need this thought about my brother anymore. Then they can be taken out of our awareness if we actually mean it. So I started doing that And I realized if I can just give 10 of these thoughts a day, just 10, not even one per waking hour, 10 thoughts a day, 365 days a year, that's 3,650 less negative thoughts next year. And it's a three-year plan. I can get rid of all 10,000. And that's what I decided to do. Wow. What a burden lifted, right? To to get rid of all (laughs) all that negativity. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm going to work on that. Now, I wanted to shift a little bit and ask you about something that I saw on your website that I was interested in. So it says on your site that you're also an intuitive spiritual counselor. And I think that we're all born with intuitive mm-hmm. abilities and, and we we push it down. We discount them. We don't want to listen. I think that like like you're saying, we really know the truth, right? We really know. It deep down in our gut. But I guess what I wanted to ask you was like tapping into that, the the intuitive side of us, has that always been easy for you to, to access that side, that intuitive side? It wasn't uh, until I really made this commitment to being loving and to loving myself. It, the more that I practiced that, the more my intuition opened up because it's really simple. It's not complicated at all, Diane. So it's just this. 
if we're interested in all our judgments and complaints and grievances, are we actually interested in the truth? Do we have time to pay attention to the truth and what's really going on in our world, in our friends, in our family, in the people we're connected to, if we're so focused on thinking we're right about how wrong everything is? No, we just, we don't have the bandwidth for it. We are truly not interested in it. So the more I've given up all those negative thoughts, the more my mind is just clearer and clearer and clearer. And, you know, I've, I've taught so many people how to do this and they have very similar results of their intuition opens up, their mind opens up. They have a, a, a level of awareness that they never, never, ever imagined possible. And, and not, and it doesn't take them a decade. You know, it, it really depends on their willingness. And some people make huge amount of progress in just a few months. That, wow. That's, that's amazing. I mean, if ever, and if everybody went through that process and kind of opened themselves up, I mean, I could just imagine the change that would take place just in, you know, in government and in everything in the world, if, you know, we could enhance that, that piece. And that's something that you do work with people on, um, you know, building up that, that part, that, that intuition that, that we tend to ignore. And something else that I think is, is really important to you is prayer. And you offer daily prayers on your website and you start your radio shows with a prayer and, I mean, how is, you know, getting into that space, you know, so beneficial? And, and what does prayer mean to you? Yeah, I appreciate you asking me that because prayer is so important to me. It's really a power tool. And A Course in Miracles says that prayer is the medium of miracles. So you can think of a medium being like a soil that you plant a seed in. And certainly those are the kinds of teachings of uh, the Fillmore's and Emma Curtis Hopkins and Ernest Holmes that we're planting seeds in divine soil. And that our mind is the mind of God, and we are only subject to that which we hold in our mind. And we can choose to hold whatever we would like in our mind. So when we go into prayer, and we're using the tool of affirmative prayer, uh, then we are definitely influencing the world of effects, the world of form. So for me, back in 1997, I started on a journey to become a science of mind practitioner. So that was four years of study and training, and then I became a science of mind minister. And I did all of that training, nine years of it in the agape community. So I really learned how to pray. Prayer is my thing. I love training people how to pray. And they tell me all the time, that's one of the greatest benefits in their spiritual life is really learning to use prayer. So, um, and Course in Miracles has beautiful teachings about prayer. And it's the prayer where you leave your worries and concerns on the altar. You don't tell God how to fix your life. You just say, you know what? I believe I have problems. 
And I'm willing to give that belief and the ensuing problems that come from my beliefs uh, to you, Spirit. And I'm just going to lay them on the altar here. And I am going to affirm that my mind is the mind of God. My heart is the heart of God. My life is the life of God. And I am choosing joy. I'm choosing peace. I'm choosing harmony. And I'm choosing to let go of the past and all the meaning I made of it. I am choosing to be of service to the light. So that that's, you know, it's a simple kind of a prayer. It can seem very repetitive. And I do, I record a prayer every day. I've been doing it for, I guess, about 13 years now, since 97, I think I started doing it. And um, I record it and people can call the the number and, uh, or they can just listen on my daily shot of spiritual espresso. (laughs) That's the name of my blog. And I, so I've got prayer partners all over the world, people that pray with me every day. It's, it's beautiful. I think so. And it's really, you know, over the years, my attitude, I guess, or, or understanding of prayer, um, because I I was brought up in a a traditional, a a Catholic uh, tradition, which, you know, there's a lot of beautiful things about that. I mean, I I love rituals and and all Mm -hmm. of that. And and I thought that was great. I thought the nuns had magical powers when I was younger. (laughs) So I was never afraid of them. Like I never had horrible experiences, but Mm. you know, the prayers are always like, oh, I'm so, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. And, Mm -hmm. you know, forgive me for being such a a horrible excuse for, for a human, you know, those kind of things. And, it, and, and it was so po- powerful to learn a different way, you know, to pray. And and when I, I worked for, you know, Louise Hayes company for a long time and, mm-hmm. you know, she would always have simple, and she was a science of mind minister too. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure uh, you, you probably have come across Louise, you know, oh, over yeah. the years <laughs> and she gave me a simple, you know, affirmative prayer. And I say, I still say it over and over and over all is well. Everything is working out for my greater good. Out of this experience, only good will come. I am safe. And just saying that little simple affirmation over and over again, and maybe I'll throw in a Hail Mary or two just because I'm familiar with it. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I really love people getting the concept of you, you don't, you can't just ask for, oh, please do this for me. You know, like asking God to be a concierge or something like that, mm-hmm. to, you know, to bring you something mm-hmm. that you think is going to fix yourself, but we, but we don't know. Right. And what you're saying is to turn it over, to let, let the universe or God kind of figure it out for you. Well, that's it. To me, what we pray for in my communities, we pray for the, pray for the highest and best for everyone because all is one. So the highest and best for me has to be the highest and best for you too, because we're one. How could it be any other way? But for us to, uh, as they say, outline it and tell God what we want, that to me is, that's foolish because I don't, you know, of course, miracles actually, Jesus says, look, you don't even know what would make you happy. You don't know. So stop thinking that you do. And when I first read that, I went, oh, that is so true. (laughs) That is so true. So I just, when I read that, I said, okay, truth is true. 
I'm going to stop thinking that I know what will make me happy and just say, spirit, you know, what's going to make me happy. Bring it. Right. And it may not be the relationship that, that you're in right now or, or someone else, mm-hmm. you know, so often people think that that's going to be what'll make me happy. You know, if I can just have this or I'll be happy when, you know, I get that job or when I get this or something else will have to be the influence to make you happy. And I, I think it's just such a relief not to, ha- not to think that like that, <laughs> you know, don't, don't try to control it because you really don't know. Right. Exactly. Well, I I was a playwright living in Manhattan. And then I decided to start working on screenplays. And I uh, moved to Maine. And I was living on an island there and writing for a few years. And then a filmmaker said, Oh, go to Hollywood, go to film school, they can help you learn how to write great screenplays. So I did that. And I was a, a superstar in my class of screenwriters at USC, one of the greatest film schools in the world. And I, I thought, okay, this is all great. This is what I'd like. And then when I got out of film school, I couldn't sell any of my scripts. And what I knew was, you know what, I'm actually supposed to be a minister. And So that's when I started studying to be a science of mind practitioner and a minister. And I, I had to give up all the attachment I had to working in Hollywood and being successful in the film industry, which had been my dream. But I realized what, what I'm really interested in is I'm interested in connecting with people, telling stories, being able to share with them in a way that will help them improve their life. That's what my screenplays were all about. So now I'm doing that as a minister, but I had to give up all attachment to the investment I had made in going to film school and doing all those things. And so, and I think of another story of a beautiful woman I know, Sheila, is her name. And uh, several years ago, she was living in the Baton Rouge area and her whole town was flooded out. And every single member of her family lost their home and their business from the floods that were happening there. And, uh, and they had to go through all this stuff with FEMA and all these things. I mean, literally her house filled with water, everything in her house was ruined. And, it was devastating, absolutely devastating. Well, months later, six months later or so, she came to a retreat with me and she was helping me set up the room. And she said, uh, and I said to her, honey, do you have a pen? I want to make some notes here. So she looked in her purse for a pen and she pulled out this bottle of Excedrin and she was just staring at it. And I was like, Sheila, you okay? She said, Jennifer, you know, I'm a nurse. I have had chronic pain for more than three years. Chronic pain. I've never gone anywhere in the last three, four years without Excedrin, without Advil. I, I wake up in the middle of the night to take it. I always am taking painkillers 24-7. And I just realized right now, looking at this bottle of Excedrin in my purse, that I haven't had any pain for a month it just disappeared. And I didn't even notice it. And I said, well, honey, with this flood, you've been doing all this forgiveness work. Forgiveness is the greatest anti-inflammatory there is. You've let go of the root causes of pain. 
That's what forgiveness does. And so the, the amazing shifts and changes can happen when you know, this, we started this topic, this thread a little while ago, but you have to be willing to give up thinking you know what you want and what will make you happy. If she hadn't had her house flooded and her business, she lost her business and her home. She had worked so hard to build that business, right? She'd worked hard to have a home and, and you know, pay down her mortgage and all this. She lost everything in a day, but it changed her life. It opened her heart and her mind. And she did all that forgiveness work because she had constant forgiveness work every day, forgiving everything that was happening in FEMA and, you know, all the different people around her. And that's what healed the chronic pain. That's what set her free from the life she had before. Wow. I mean, that's so incredible. And there's so many stories like that too, if you really kind of dig in, you know, and, and look around and just what a great example of the, the power that we have over our own physiology, you know, over our own bodies. And I love what you said, you know, forgiveness is the best anti-inflammatory that that's awesome. How we, we can, you know, totally change our lives physically too, mm -hmm. by really digging in and doing this work. And I love that you shared about the film school. That's really cool. Cause I never knew that about you, <laughs> you know, that you, uh, were set off on the course to, you know, you wanted to be a, a screenwriter and, and mm -hmm. you had a whole different idea, right? Your, your dream, your vision of what things would be, would be like was totally different. And then you know, had this massive shift. So I'm curious, who introduced you to science of mind teachings? Or did you somehow like stumble in or? Well, I used to go to unity services with Eric Butterworth in Manhattan when I lived in Manhattan. So I lived in oh, wow. New York for 10 years. Yeah. And I, I loved Eric and Olga. And uh, I, I lived on the Upper West Side. I walked down and go to their services. And um, I only went to a Science of Mind service once when I lived in Manhattan. It wasn't for me, that particular uh, teacher congregation, the energy of it. But then when I moved to LA to go to film school, I was trying to find a church. And I was house sitting for uh, someone and that person, their secretary, I, I happened to say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a church. And he said, Oh, I know a place come with me to Agape. And as soon as I went there, I was like, Oh yeah, these are my people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, so I got introduced to science of mind that way. But, uh, I, for years I was going to unity services. But isn't that cool how you look back and then it, it kind of seems like things were the pieces fit together to lead you where you were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love that to hear people's journeys and stories of, you know, where, where they go and where the road takes them. And it may not be mm -hmm. where you think it's going to be, but you know, you definitely are where you need to be right now because you're helping so many people. And if people go on your website, they can see all that you have to offer. You've got so many different courses and classes. And, and you said like prayer was really a thing that you loved to teach. Is that one of your favorite courses? It is. I, it's, it's interesting that you're asking about that because I am getting ready to teach 
another segment of classes on prayer. And I teach it, I teach prayer in my Finding Freedom Boot Camp and in my Masterful Living year long course. So I, I love to teach prayer and people are so appreciative because, especially if they were raised Christian and Catholic, they, they may not have been taught how to really formulate their own prayers and spontaneously speak prayer comfortably. Right. No, that's so true. And I, I love when you let yourself do that because I I find I do that all the time, especially now mm-hmm. more than ever to mm-hmm. just to have a, a dialogue or a conversation. And it's, and it's usually like really early in the morning, first thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to let myself just be in that space to receive. In your own daily practice, do you spend time in, in meditation? I mean, what does that look like for you during the day? Yeah, I do. My schedule is varied. So different days are different. But throughout my day, I start the day with prayer and meditation. I end the day with prayer and meditation. Those are definites uh, every day. And in between, because I am teaching classes and doing so many things almost every day, I'm praying throughout the day and, um, and pausing throughout the day. To me, my spiritual practice is what I'm doing. And uh, that that is the main focus of my life is spiritual practice. And so whether I'm cooking a meal, or whether I'm teaching a class, or I'm t- walking the dog, I'm in spiritual practice. And that's how I look at my life. Right. So whatever your task is, I mean, and really that's great advice because people, I think, beat themselves up over, oh, I can't meditate or I'm not doing it right because we have all these conditions. You can meditate washing the dishes or folding laundry. You bet. I mean, I <laughs> I find myself going into those trance states, you know, a lot when I'm doing that kind of task, you know, mm-hmm. and then just, just letting yourself be open. It's been so cool to talk with you and, and spend this time with you today. And I'm really... I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, you're so generous in, in giving me that. I'd love to send people again to your site. So the best place to find you is just go to jenniferhadley.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make sure we throw it out there <laughs> so that we can send people over, you know, send them to your site because you have so many great resources to offer and just such a, a great teacher. And I'm so grateful that you're able to share your gifts and your lessons e- each week. So make sure you check in to Jennifer's show, A Course in Miracles, every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Central, and also available for podcast on all your favorite podcast outlets, all your favorite platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get those shows. And thank you again so much, Jennifer. It's been so great to talk with you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Diane. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode.
part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.